Well, good morning. If we haven't met yet, <clears throat> I am Pastor Paul, PJ, Dacus. I'm the uh, student's pastor, uh, one of the elders here, uh, 1825, that crew. Uh, it's good to be here with you. Probably should get some slides going. What do you all think? Maybe that's a good start. How about that? There we go. Hey, today is <clears throat> Senior Sunday. Uh, so my seniors, uh, actually, this is not just seniors, senior citizens. Where are you at? I'm just kidding. I can make you stand. You probably can't stand. Just kidding. Uh, my seniors, stand with me real quick. Hey, come on. Lighten up. This is good. All right. I need to see my seniors. All right. You may be seated. I just need to see where you are so I can look and stare into your souls while I'm preaching this word to you. Um, Hey, if you, uh, re- if you do not have a physical Bible this morning, uh, please raise your hand. I would really like for us to have physical Bibles if possible. Uh, apps are great. If you're like me, you get distracted. Uh, but raise your hand if you need a Bible. We have some. The blue shirts will bring them to you. Uh, do not be afraid. We've got a couple over here. Awesome. Hey, so while I was prepping this sermon, uh, I-, I think I told you all last week during the, uh, the baptism, what a cool Sunday that was last Sunday. Wasn't that, wasn't that awesome? That was so cool to get to see a father baptize a son. One person, thank you, Scott, thought it was cool. It was great. Um, I, I told you all I was, I was going to come up here and preach about, uh, about not wasting your life. And I had a sermon that was prepped, and I felt very clearly this week uh, God say to wipe that out. And uh, he gave me a specific verse, and I feel like it was clear as day. Uh, I, made, I made a sermon for the seniors, uh, but he said that, and what I believe he said, uh, was to preach Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 for all of us. Uh, so that's where we're going to be this morning. Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. Only two verses, which makes you think it'll be a short sermon. <laughs> which is also what I thought, because we also got baptism today, which is, uh, which is awesome. Uh, and we had the vet house, and so I was like, great, this will be short. However, there is so much packed into these two verses, uh, and I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to preach it to y'all and for y'all to, to dig into this with me. But before we do that, I wanted to speak directly to our seniors. Uh, like I said, this message applies to everyone, but uh, specifically, I had our seniors in mind. As they're heading out into the real world, um, a couple things I wanted to say to you, and please, if you hear nothing else, uh, my seniors, uh, hear this. So you are about to go into a war. You are already in a war uh, right now. Uh, you're about to head out into the, the real world, away from parents, uh, making your own decisions. And um, one of the most important decisions that you can make is going to a Bible-believing church. Finding a church that preaches the word. I, I know many of these, these faces in here and these, these people could attest to that, right? Go somewhere that preaches the word and go often. Some of you are going outside of the Memphis area, and you don't even know I've reached out to pastors around the area that you're going. They know you're coming. <laughs> and it's going to be awesome. Somebody did that for me. Um, but go there. Do not be fooled by lights. Do not be fooled by haze. Do not be fooled uh, by, as one brilliant man said, uh, puppies and cotton candy. <laughs> go somewhere that preaches the word. I don't care if they're a 95-year-old and you are the youngest person there. If he faithfully preaches the word, go there and go often. I also just want to say on behalf of our elders, I can, I can speak for all of us in saying it's been an honor uh, to be your pastor these last however many years. Some of you I've had for a couple years. Uh, some of you have been here through your whole 
middle school, high school, um, but it's been an honor, and we're with you. We are cheering you on wherever you may go next. That leads us, speaking of cheering on, that leads us into Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, which is where we're going to be today. The title of this message is Run the Race. Run the Race. If you, if you have your Bibles, please turn there now to Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to read this text uh, twice, and, uh, and then at the end, I'm going to say, this is the word of the Lord, and if you agree with this, I ask that you, you to say back, thanks be to God. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let me read it one more time. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. God, as we come needy of you this morning, Lord, we need you. God, I ask this morning that you eliminate anything that is not of you, that everything that is of you stand. God, I pray that your people who are here today are assured of their salvation. Help us to run the race that you have set before us. God, nothing else in this world matters except you and what you say. Let the lies disappear. May the truth remain. In your son's name, amen. All right, like I said, today is run the race. Uh, so let's start off in verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. So I want us to picture in this, uh, in this text the imagery that's here. This is that of an athlete. Uh, you, you've, heard the, you've heard the surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Today, as you insert yourself into this text, you, the we in here, is an athlete running the race, surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. I know some of you are probably saying, listen, I don't run unless there's a killer behind me or I'm running to a buffet. But today, that is you, okay? We are all spiritual athletes. Now, uh, my, my students should know the answer to this question. Hopefully we all do. The very first uh, word, therefore, what do we do when we come to a therefore in Scripture? What is the therefore, therefore? So what you do, go right before it go right before. So what we do is we go back to Hebrews 11. If you've read this, this is commonly known as the, the heroes of the faith chapter or the hall of faith. So if you go to chapter 11, you will see everything starts with a common theme. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Verse 8, by faith Abraham obeyed 
These all died in faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was first hidden for three months by his parents. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea. And what more should I say? It goes on and on about all these different examples of faith. So that's what we see coming into this text today. Therefore, so the therefore is therefore talking about those before who were in faith. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, these cloud of witnesses are all those people that by faith ran the race. So that's what it's saying, those who ran the race. Now, the encouraging thing here is that these are all people who would, and I love something that Scott says during sermons, you know, when, when you have a saint who has passed away, someone who has run the race, I learned this from when, uh, when JP, uh, when Alicia passed away. I love what he said. We can't be 100% sure, but we can be pretty 99.99% sure that that person is in eternity. But what Scott has said during, uh, during, the, um, uh, during the funeral is that picture this person who has passed away, and what would they say if they could just pop their head through the clouds for a minute? They would, they would look at us, and they would say, give it all for Jesus, I'm cheering you on. It's real. My faith has been turned to sight. When we look back at, at chapter 11, that's what all of this great cloud of witnesses, they're all the people who have lived the Christian life. By faith, they were looking forward to the coming Messiah. We see that Messiah has come. And all of them are cheering us on. So as I think of you seniors, us cheering you on, we're not dead yet. But all of those people that have come before you, that are here with you now, all the saints that are to come, they're all witnessing to the glory of God. So picture again like an athlete in a giant stadium. Um, who here has ever been in a, in, a, in a giant stadium, maybe a Grizzlies game, or maybe something bigger? That energy, you know what I'm talking about? There's an energy. There's a reason there's a home field advantage. It says for some reason... When you got everyone cheering you on, you can jump higher, you make more shots uh, most of the time, uh, you run faster, you know, the last, the last lap when someone's cheering you on, you got the, the crowd cheering for you, it's something, there's just an extra boost. That's a small version of what we see here. We are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. These are all the people who have gone before that are cheering, cheering you on, but they're not just cheering, they're saying, we've seen it, we've run the race, it's worth it, keep running. We should be energized by this crowd. You are not alone, Christian. You are not just alone here, but there has been many before you who have come, all the saints. Be encouraged by this great cloud of witnesses. I'll pick on you senior, senior citizens again. Some of you may be saying, well, I've, I've wasted my life. I've, I've wasted it. Uh, I, I'm I'm old. I looked, again, we are encouraged by these. Like, you look at Moses, his ministry didn't start till he was 80. Be encouraged by these people. We're united to them, and they're they are cheering us on because they themselves have seen the glory of God. Verse 2, or excuse me, same in verse 1. Let us also lay aside every weight. So, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. Uh, I need two volunteers. Actually, one has been voluntold because he said it was too cold in here. Miles, come on up, please. Um, and then, yeah, Angie, why don't you come on up as well? 
So as we're laying aside every weight and we're thinking about running the race, Angie, you are, just, you are fine just as you are. You'll stand right here. Miles, I've got some, uh, some clothes for you today. So these are my work boots here. Yep, take those off. You're going to need to put these on. Don't worry, we'll wait. That's fine. <laughs> now, Miles, uh, what was your, what's your favorite baseball team? Oh, that's cool, because I got a Mariners jacket for you. Uh, the, best, the best team out there. World Series champion soon. Coming, in, incoming. There you go. Hey, don't talk to me about those trash rows, Gideon. Uh, here you go. You looked a little cold today, so you can have this as well. An old navy peacoat. There you go. Hey, Bear. Just a little added measure there. All right. This may not work. There we go. Man, you do look like, actually, you got the Mariner's hat and the hipster. You look like, all right, here we go. So these two are running a race. Angie has the, uh, are those on clouds? What are those? No bulls. No bulls. Uh, she's going to run this race. Miles slash Haber is going to run this race as well. Who's, gonna, who's in better shape? to run the race. Who, who thinks Angie? <laughs> who thinks Miles? Oh, I thought, I thought I was going to get at least one, uh, one clap for that. So when it's talking about, you guys don't have to stay up here the whole, the whole sermon now. Uh, when it's talking about, let us also lay aside every weight, is it wrong for Miles to run the race in this? It's not, that's not wrong, right? Is it necessary? So what should he do to get on Angie's level? Take it off. Take it off. All right, thanks. Give him a round of applause, please. <laughs> you can keep those if you need them. Let us lay aside every weight. So these are not necessarily, un, uh, uh, these are not necessarily sins. It's not wrong for Miles to run that race, He's just not going to be set up very well to do so, right? So what he does, take all, the, take all these things off. You know, if you see runners, they, they wear very little uh, amount of clothing. They wear very light shoes. So how much should we let go of? Let us also lay aside every weight. Like I said, these are not necessarily sinful things, but what are these weights that we need to lay aside? I asked some of you this week, uh, what are those things in your life? Here's a list. Binge-watching TV, hobbies, sports, shows, leisure, trips to the lake, golf, hunting, fishing, youth sports, yard work, scrolling social media, drinking, collecting guns. I won't mention who said that, JP. Uh, music. Video games. So although all those things, are they wrong? No, they're not wrong. But they can be weights. They can be weights to the Christian life. Now, one question to ask is, is not necessarily which ones do I need to get rid of, but how fast do you want to go? 
How fast do you want to go in this race? How fast do you want to go in this Christian life? What are some of these weights that you have to cast off? Now, this doesn't mean we don't do these. We need to recharge. You know, God will use hunting. God will use uh, TV to recharge. He will use these things. It's not a bad thing. But which things are holding you back from running the race? I need, I need to be honest with y'all. Uh, as Paul has said many times, being the chief repenters up here, as I was prepping this, uh, God used this this week for me. Uh, there, was a, there was a night that I had, had some friends over, had a couple of drinks, wasn't drunk, wasn't even tipsy. But the next morning, I just wasn't quite myself. I needed, to, I needed a sermon prep. I needed to be present for my kids. And I wasn't because I was still feeling some of the effects. Do y'all, do y'all know what I'm talking about? Whereas it's not necessarily a bad thing, but I was like, I didn't need that. So is that something that maybe the Lord is using to cast off in my life? Help me run the race. I felt it even in prepping this for y'all. We need these things to relax, but I ask the question, is it serving you? Ask this question to yourself. Is it serving me or is it helping me run? Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. What is this sin that it's talking about here? Some of your, some of your translations will say the sin. My translation says sin, but what is, what is the sin that it's talking about in context? If we look back to verse, or from chapter 11, what was the main theme from that that we just read? By faith. So the opposite of this is something that the enemy will use, no doubt, in your life that will cause doubt. Doubt is not necessarily the opposite of faith, but it is something that the enemy will use. I think we've all been there, right? We've all been there, you Christians. Uh, you've been there before where you can be assured, but you can still have some doubts. And you can feel, is anybody with me on that? The enemy will use doubt. It will try to discourage you. What is the opposite? What is, how do we combat this? By faith. It sounds, well, yeah, it's just like, you know, if you're anxious, don't be anxious. If you're doubting, just have faith. But that's it. We look to Jesus. We look to the, we look to the scriptures by faith. <clears throat> I just talked about it with somebody in this room uh, this past week. What do we do with doubts? You seniors are about to head out in the, in the real world. You're going to be hit with a bunch of different things. You're going to be hit. Some of us, we practiced this in 1825, right, with my alternate personality. Uh, I'm not going to, it's not coming out right now, don't worry. Uh, if, if for those of you who don't know, I will put on an alternate personality of what you might see in the real world. And they get so frustrated trying to figure out what does this person believe? Why are they causing these doubts? Anyway, we won't go there. It's not coming out from the pulpit. But you will get doubts. What do we do with those doubts? For some of you who are doubting your salvation today, for those who are, put, for, who are in Christ, you would say you're a Christian, you bring it to God. Bring your doubts to God. Bring it to him. Because one day when we are in eternity, there will be zero doubts. Nobody that is with the Lord right now will have any doubts. When the Lord returns, when Jesus returns, all of you who don't believe right now, for those who don't, don't believe in God, there will be a day when you will not doubt because the Lord is returning. And trust me, there will be no doubts that Jesus is Lord. Right now, you bring those to him. God's big enough to handle it. Bring it to him. 
Go to his word. Trust. You see, I think Satan's playbook is simple. He will put doubts, he will lie, and he will discourage. Those are three main things that he will do. Recognize it. Awareness of it is key. Recognize when you're, being, when you're doubting. Recognize when you're being discouraged. Recognize the lies and turn to the truth. It is the word of God. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Key word here, and if you're underlining in your Bibles, run. Let us run the race, run with endurance the race that is set before us. Here's something that, again, as we're taking off these weights, as we're seeing what's unnecessary in our life, and we're looking to the sin, doubt, distrust, we are aiming to run the race with endurance. Keyword, run. Now, here's where that plays out in our daily life. A lot of the questions that we say are, is it a sin? We see something in the Bible, is this a sin? And then naturally, it comes to, how close can I get to this sin uh, before it becomes a sin? Y'all following with me? Asked that question before? I don't know how real I can get today. Um, I'm going to go there, who cares? Uh, So we'll take drinking. Is drinking a sin? Is being drunk a sin? Now, what we do is we get so close to that line, how far can I get until it's not a sin, right? We ask that question sometimes. What about in relationships? Is having sex before marriage a sin? How close can I get to that line before it's a sin? That's, that's the question I've heard, experienced, and see all the time. I hope to switch our view on this today. Again, coming from someone who is, who is well experienced in this and, and is a chief sinner amongst us, ask the question, does it help me run? Does it help me run? Not is it a sin, not how close can I get to this sin, but does it help me run to Jesus? Does it help me run this race? That's the question you ask every single time. Does it hurt you? Does it hold you back or does it help you run? Just like we talked about the great cloud of witnesses cheering us on, that, that wind at your back, is, something, is this thing that you're talking about, I don't care what it is, is it helping you run the race? That's the question. Uh, when, when, I was, when I was thinking about going into ministry, and I know I have, praise God, a few people here who are thinking through these things, uh, going into ministry, I had a, a pastor ask me this question that I thought uh, was excellent. Uh, I had a lot of doubt. I had a lot of fear of failure. You know, the, all the failures in my, uh, in my life before this, I was like, if I could become a pastor, I can't fail. I cannot be the one, like, I can fail at uh, a corporate job. I can fail in the military. I can fail at something else. I cannot fail God. And he said, which obviously sounds ridiculous, right? But he said to me, what would you do for the kingdom of God if you knew it wouldn't fail? And I'll ask you this, I'll ask you seniors, as you're you're thinking about what's next in your life, I'll ask you, who are just generally in the the Christian life right now, 
what would you do if for the kingdom of God if you knew it wouldn't fail? Just think on that for a second. Mm, I wasn't sure if I wanted to get into this, but I will. We got time, right? I don't know. Um, I had a great conversation with, uh, with a student here. I'm going to trip over my own boots. Um, I'm going to let you in on a little secret here. I am reformed. I was expecting to hear some gasps. I, I, and I'll let you know another, your pastors are also reformed. I know. But here's, here's, we believe the scripture is above all. You shouldn't care about what I think. You should only care, care about what the Bible says. Now, I'm not saying that what I say is, is always true or even my interpretation is always true, but go back to the word. Now, this, this brings up the natural conversation of predestination, election. That's kind of where this always, uh, uh, we have a joke in 1825, start the timer the minute we start talking about predestination election. I'm not going to go into that today necessarily, but you, you know, uh, your high school girl, the high school girls group, uh, do you know they met? This is a high school girls group. They met to talk about predestination election at my house with, with Larissa. I was like, I was not thinking about this at that time. But, but a great uh, question that comes up from that, if God chooses, if he already has, has chosen people, if he, if he brings his elect to himself, why preach the word of God? Why go evangelize? That's a great question. If we're, I heard the term, if we're all robots, what's the point? And I think both sides of the aisle, we can agree in a big God. We agree that, one, we are called to go evangelize. We are called to go preach the word of God, no matter what. That's, that's reason enough. But I want to encourage all of us today, as we're thinking about the race, this is, this is it. This is getting into the race. We get a front row seat to what God's doing. And if you're not in that race, my gosh, like, uh, anybody else here with me where you just, and uh, Heath just talked about it, being in awe of what God's doing. He's doing it. We, we can argue about all these little things, but it doesn't matter. God's doing stuff all the time. We just have to notice. We just have to notice what God's doing. But we get a front row seat to what he's doing. If I told you the number 46, what do you think that refers to? Just take a guess. Here at Refuge, number 46. How old I am? Incorrect. <laughs> Any other guesses? So that's the number of baptisms since 2019. 46 people. Now, we're a small church, and if you go to another church, that may be really small, but when we, when we see 46, it's about to be 47 today, that's a story of what God has done in each one of them. We don't care about the number, but we do care about what God is doing in each individual life. Get in the race. You know, another way that we put it, too, is, is God's people are already out there. You don't know if you're the one that saves one, you don't save, but that reaches one, or all of a sudden thousands of people come to know the Lord because of you. All this to say, get in the race, see what he's doing, get a front row seat to what God's doing. It'll change your life. Hmm. If you have your Bibles, go to Philippians 3, 13 through 14. Philippians 3, 13 through 14. Maybe underline it. Save it for later. 
Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We run the race. We said run is a key word. Run the race with endurance. For my seniors, maybe pin this. Philippians 3, 13 through 14. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the upward goal of the prize of the upward, excuse me, towards the goal of for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That is the race of endurance. Forgetting what lies behind, pressing forward to the goal, the prize, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He himself is the prize. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy who was set before him endured the cross. What does it say there? Looking to your good works. Does it say that? Looking to how often you attend church. Looking to that day that you accepted Jesus into your heart. It says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. My friends, the only way we run this race and we run it with endurance is by looking to Jesus. Do not look inwardly. Do not go find yourself, seniors. You don't need to go all over the world to find yourself. By all means, go. Enjoy it, but look to Jesus. We talk about repentance here. Repentance is turning away from what God hates and turning towards what God loves. I think we do a poor job in general uh, in, the, in the Christian life of, of saying, turn away from what God hates, but we have to turn towards something better. What was it in, in Philippians 3? What was, what was the main point of that, of Philippians 3? What was it? We, we turn to Jesus. He is the goal. He is the prize. So we turn away from what God hates. We look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. So we, we turn away from what God hates. This is the Christian life. We turn toward what God loves, but we turn toward God himself. You know, I, I love this This idea of the thief on the cross. Is, are, are we familiar in general with the, the story of the thief on the cross? So Jesus in the center before crucifixion, you have, you have uh, two criminals. One says, if you are God, save yourself. He's doubting. He's mocking. And then you have the other. He says, we are guilty. He's talking to the other criminal. We are guilty. This man is innocent. And then what, is, what does Jesus say to him? Today, you will be with me in paradise. That thief on the cross, how much theology did he know? How many Bible studies has he been to? How many refuge uh, men 607s has he been to? How many refuge 1825s? How much of the Bible does he know? Nothing, but what does he know? 
He knows this man is who he says he is. But, but another question that me and the elders and the wives we were talking about is imagine if that thief who just believed in Jesus, who saw him, who believed in him, what if they just let him go? What if just by some miracle they let that thief go? How do, you, do you think he would be like, eh, move on with his life? I would argue that because he sees Jesus, he believes in Jesus, he would run. He would run to Jesus. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I'm going to draw a dumb picture for you. Weston Duke and Addie, who will be baptized, know this picture well, and I am a terrible artist. But this, this shows, I'm, I'm not a smart person, but, but God can use the, the smallest of things. So as we're explaining the gospel, as we're, we're talking through this, can you all see this? Please do not judge me. Actually, I don't care. This is God. Terrible. This is God's wrath. I don't mean to discriminate. We'll put hair. Maybe we'll put some hair up here too. Who knows? This is you. Despising the shame, seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This is our problem. This is your problem. This is my problem. Is that this being here, God, is perfect, righteous, holy, just. Nothing of sin can have anything to do with him. And because you have the choice, you have the choice to either be perfect or to look to someone who was perfect. Is anybody here perfect? I always hope at least one person raises their hand, but no. Right, none of us are perfect. If you have one sin in your life, this wrath is coming to you. But we have good news. I don't know. I don't know how to race. That's technology. There is something in between you and the wrath of God. I do apologize. That's terrible. There is something in between you. Weston was laughing as I'm, as I'm drawing this. But it's true. The wrath is coming. You can either be perfect or you can look to one who was perfect. That, that person was the one on the cross. He took all of our sin. He took all of the wrath of God. How much of it? Okay, just making sure you're awake. All of it. Not just some, not just a few things, not just something that you did yesterday, something you do today. All of it, past, present, future, only if you put your faith and trust in him. You see, as we're talking about running the race with endurance, we cannot do this on our own. We cannot. It's impossible. But we have someone who ran the race we have human examples, as in, in Hebrews 11, of who ran the race well, but we also have someone who ran the race perfectly. That is Jesus. He crossed the finish line. What were his final words? It is finished. Hear that this morning. It 
is finished. But not only that, as we see, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is not here today. He is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, interceding for you. What does interceding mean? Something in between you and the wrath of God. Right here. He is interceding. That is the best news this morning. That he is interceding. If you are putting your faith in Jesus, he is interceding for you at this very moment. I don't have time. Let's go to the next part. I'll end it with this. The famous one of four endings. Uh, If Jesus is interceding for you at this very moment, then you are secure in him. Take a minute. Let me say that again. If Jesus is truly who he said he was, if he lived the life that you couldn't live, if he died the death that you deserved, and he rose again, just like I am in front of you, that it actually happened, and he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, you are secure in God. Your salvation is secure. So those of you who are coming in with doubts this morning, Put the doubts aside, put the lies aside, and hear this clearly. You are secure in Christ. I want to leave with a, with a couple of things as, I was, as I'm prepping, or as I was prepping this for our seniors, prepping it for you, Refuge Church. We have to leave, uh, if, if you're taking notes, and I see a few of you taking notes, put them away. I don't even need you to look at your Bible right now. I need you to hear this clearly, and I'll end with this. We have to look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. But because we look to Jesus, there's some truths about you. And I say this, you, Christian, can say this this morning. You who are not a Christian cannot say this yet. And I say yet, we say that here a lot, yet. Our prayer is that you do come to know Jesus. Maybe today is that day. I shouldn't be shocked anymore But God keeps bringing people to faith here. Praise God. We get to celebrate another one today. I pray that this is you today. But if it is, if you are putting your faith in Jesus, you can say these things. You can say that you are a child of God. That's from John 1. You are a branch of the true vine and a conduit of Christ's life. That's John 15. You are a friend of Jesus. That's John 15. You have been justified and redeemed. That's Romans 3, Romans 6. You have been set free from the law of sin and death. That's Romans 8. As a child of God, you are a fellow heir with Christ. That's Romans 8. You have been accepted by Christ. Romans 15. You have been called to be a saint. 1 Corinthians 1, Ephesians 1, Philippians 1, Colossians 1. In Christ Jesus, you have wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. 1 Corinthians 1. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. You are joined to the Lord and are one spirit with him, 1 Corinthians 6. The hardening of your heart and your mind has been removed in Christ, 2 Corinthians 3. Your needs, all of them, how much of them? All of them are supplied by God, that's Philippians 4. You, Christian, are saved, are saved preserved in Christ forever, for all eternity, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the grave. Is Wyatt here this morning? 
He is not. Dang. All right. That's his, that's his favorite. Romans 10.9 says that you are saved, you are preserved in Christ forever for all eternity. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the grave. We can only say these things, Christian, if we believe what I'm about to say. We look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Here's some truths. Those are truths about you. As we just read today, we have to look to Jesus. You will fail. Jesus will not. Jesus is the perfect one who glorifies God and himself. Jesus is the creator of the universe. Jesus fulfilled all prophecies. The things he said that would happen did happen. Jesus fulfilled all prophecies. Jesus validated all of scripture. Jesus honored the Father with all his life. Jesus answers your prayers. Jesus modeled humility. Jesus carried the cross. Jesus endured the cross. Jesus paid the penalty for your sins. Jesus conquered death. Jesus defeated the grave. Jesus achieved salvation for you. Jesus humbles you when you are proud. Jesus strengthens you when you are weak. Jesus preserves his elect. Jesus executes perfect justice. Jesus destroyed Satan and has the final word that declares, it is finished. Jesus gives eternal joy that cannot be taken away here on earth or in the world to come. Jesus lived the perfect sinless life that you could not. Jesus obeyed the law of God perfectly. Jesus died the death that you deserve. Jesus is seated right now at the right hand of the throne of God and is interceding for you, for me, right now at the the right hand of the throne of God until your faith is turned to sight. Until you see him face to face and we all will see him face to face one way or the other. Is that you? Are you the one that's taking the wrath of God right now? Are you the one that's putting your faith in Jesus It's all about Jesus. My friends, the baton is being passed to us today from those who are the great cloud of witnesses who saw this, who who lived their life just in faith in the coming Messiah. We have a vision. We see him in Scripture. It is finished. He has yelled that. That was his final words. It is finished. Put your trust and faith in him today. It is all about Jesus. My students know that I like acronyms. Like I said, I'm not the smartest person, but here's, here's, a, here's something that helps me remember it. Fort, my son laughed because he thought it said fart. <laughs> it says fort. Ways to run, practically run the, the race as a Christian. One, be faithful. Fight the doubts with truth. Fight the, the lies with truth. Be faithful. Obedient. When the Spirit prompts, you say yes. Whatever that is, it'll change your life. I promise you that. Be obedient. What the Scriptures say, we do. Run. Do not walk. Run to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of your faith. Repent of the things that God hates. Turn to the things that God loves. And lastly, trust. This race is complete because of Jesus. We get to say that confidently. We trust in him alone. So I'll leave you with this final question. For the Christians here, are you running the race? Are there still weights on you that are holding you back? 
We will spend the rest of our lives finding those weights, taking them off so that we can run this race. For you non-Christians that are here today, that maybe the Spirit is working in you, I encourage you to get in the race. God promises peace. He promises himself if you turn to him. What an amazing race this is. Maybe today is that day that you get in the race. I was, I was thinking, it's funny, we sang this last week, uh, and so I didn't ask Jeff to sing it again this week. Maybe we should have. Um, do you all want to sing now? I'm not going to sing, but maybe, maybe you who have better voices. But I love the end of this, uh, this song here. It says, to this I hold, my hope is only Jesus. Actually, let's sing that together. You start it. That's the goal. When the race is complete, still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Let's pray.